You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody and happy Friday. You are listening to Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And my guest for today, also from FanRag Sports and from everywhere else online, is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And Jess, welcome to the show. And also congratulations. I understand that you have another web destination uh, where we can where we can see your work. Yeah, I mean, like like twenty six places wasn't enough. So um, yeah, twenty seven. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm going to be doing some social media directing for fan tracks, which I'm really excited about. I actually just was introduced to the site this this year when I was um, you know, told to participate in some other fantasy leagues and I really fell in love with it and they reached out and loved my work and it's been I've only I'm only on my second day, but it's been really fun so far. Well, that's fantastic, and congratulations to you. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a, just a little bit familiar with them from uh, this this past draft season as well. Uh, so uh, you know, I enjoyed using the site, but um, that is is excellent news for you. Uh, we have some not so excellent news. Uh, Justin Turner, as you know, uh, I'm sure you all know by now. Last night, left the game with uh, a right hamstring injury. We don't have any results yet on the MRI, but according to the Los Angeles Daily News, uh, the team is recalling outfielder Brent Eibner from uh, AAA Oklahoma City. So that, to me, doesn't seem like a great sign. Maybe it doesn't really mean anything, but uh, you know, certainly every, every reaction I've seen to the injury is, is, has not been a good one uh, right. for Turner. So, yeah, that's, that's not, not so terrific. Uh, also, better news, uh, U.S. Cespedes and Travis Darno could be back next week for the Mets. And a little more uh, Dodger news to get to. Adrian Gonzalez was activated uh, before yesterday's game. And Logan Forsythe could be activated as soon as Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, not all bad news there for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So, what, uh, Jess, what do you, you make of the, uh, the Justin Turner thing? Uh, do you, you own him in any leagues this year? You, you know, I actually don't, and I'm really beating myself up for it, uh, mainly because of the fact where I actually I was taught he was talked about a lot with a lot of other teams, and not I'm not talking about fantasy wise, but a lot of you know front office guys. Um, Tony Larusa specifically was really excited about Justin Turner because I was asking him about the NL West, and he mm. just glowed when he talked about Turner, and so he saw something in him that maybe I hadn't. And obviously, he had a rather successful season last year and got you know, that, that extension and well-deserved, but for some reason I kind of slept on him and I'm really beating myself up for, it. I mean, not as much cause he is injured, but um, I really, I, I love him as a player and everything like that. I really wish I would have taken advantage of that because especially from the fact of, I don't really know where he was ADP wise or how much money he was going for his monetary value or anything like that, but having him on any of my lineups definitely would have been a positive. Yeah, it would. So hopefully uh, this is not a serious injury. We'll uh, you know get you the information if we get get it this hour. Uh, but we got to head to break. We'll come back. Lots more news, actually, including a prospect call up you need to know about. So stick with us. We will be right back.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier, your host for this hour. And my guest for this hour is Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag Sports. And, uh, you know, just I forgot to mention in the last segment that, you know, now that you're also working for Fantrax, you, we kind of had the, the running joke that you, you worked everywhere on the web, but it had to start with the word fan. So it's, it's oh, not really gosh, a joke. I know. <laughs> it's not really a joke anymore. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. Well, the thing that's really upsetting and, and annoying is all the Slack chats that I'm involved in, and they all start with fan. And sometimes I get confused, and I have to be careful. Like, I don't want to pitch the wrong article to the wrong person or something like that. So yeah, they're all fans. I just I work. I have a bunch of fans in my life. What are you going to do? Yeah, and I, I I try to diversify the the names of the places where I work just for that reason. Right. Keep getting messy. Go. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we get on to, we've got more news items. Uh, quick word here about the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fancy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fancy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seely while you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fancy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and you can take the experts with you. All righty. Uh, well, Jess, let's get to some of that news we didn't get to uh, before the break. And I had mentioned there is a notable prospect call-up. The Blue Jays, this one surprised me, Jess. I don't know about you, but uh, the Blue Jays calling up Anthony Alford, one of their top prospects, uh, straight up from Double A. So mm-hmm. uh, this may just be a fill-in for uh, Kevin Pillar. He got that two-game suspension for using the gay slur. Um, so you know, what do you make of this? Is it really just nothing to pay attention to because of that potential nature of it? Or do you think that Alford is, you know, either could stay up or, or be up again soon. I don't think the transition is going to go that well for him, um, mainly because, I mean, rarely how many times do you see like a Yohan Mankata situation or an Andrew Benintendi situation where it's double A straight to the bigs and they're just successful. So I usually take that with a grain of salt. So I think this could just be like a fill-in position. I mean, the Blue Jays are kind of a mess at the moment, so I don't think any sort of promotion is going to be a die-hard situation type of deal. I mean, he's very solid in double A, don't get me wrong, you know, hitting over 300, but it's double A and it's that type of scenario not striking out a lot and obviously doesn't have a ton of power and I don't think him at Rogers Center is going to be dominant but I just think it's this particular case with Alford it's just kind of a a fill-in position at the moment all right well you know again maybe uh that's you know I think that maybe is the right perspective have on it you know I got sort of excited when I saw him called up just because it was to me totally unexpected but you know so so to me it maybe signaled well you know maybe he's closer than I think but you know, mm-hmm. maybe not. We'll see. Well, well, time will tell on that one. Uh, Ryan Braun is not sure if he'll be able to return to the Brewers on Sunday when he is eligible to be activated. He's been out with a calf injury. So that's certainly one to watch for as we turn the corner into week eight before you know it. And uh, Jason Hayward is expected to be activated on Saturday. So that's very good news for him. I would think that's probably not going to affect Ian Happ's playing time. Uh, maybe Albert mm-hmm. or Almora is the one who loses out there. But uh, in any event, Hayward back uh, tomorrow. Robinson Cano is expected to be back next Tuesday. So, again, that is one to double-check back on 
uh, during the weekend, make sure that he's still uh, you know uh, on track. And uh, the Angels have signed Doug Fister. So, I, Jess, it seems like weeks ago we talked about a possible landing spot for Doug Fister. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finally does land. Any fantasy value for you? No, I mean it's kind of like <laughs> I. Well, I mean, I don't mean to say it that way, but it's you know it's Doug Fister. Really but you did. <laughs> but I did. I know. But it's, it's Doug Fister. I mean, why do you think he wasn't getting signed in the off season? He doesn't really bring a lot of value at all. He's got the veteranism, but if you're going to have a veteranism, you need to have the numbers to back it up. And and with his particular situation, he he was dead set on not signing with the team unless it was a major league type of scenario. So there's obviously a desperation factor here because he got signed. I'm assuming. Oh, well, they wanted to sign to a to a major league deal. And with this, I'm still kind of confused on it. I heard it was a major league deal, but then I heard it was a minor league deal as well. So I'm kind of confused on that whole scenario. But when it comes to Fister, I mean, there's there's no velocity behind him. He's very inconsistent. Um, beyond the veteran factor, there's really nothing there. And who, who drafts a, a, a guy just because he's been in the league for a while and he's over the age of 30? That doesn't happen. So I'm kind of not really looking forward to this. Yeah, you know, you raise a good point in terms of that. It, it took him this long to get signed, and it's not like there weren't places he could have landed. You know, the Mets, mm-hmm. you know, picked up Tommy Malone, and it, I, I kind of like Tommy Malone. Um, but you know, I mean, that so that was an option they went for, you know, rather than uh, you know signing Doug Fister. So, and and you know, the Angels themselves have have cycled through uh, a few people mm-hmm. in that rotation before landing on Fister. So, yeah, uh, I, I can't get too excited, you know. Plus, just, you know, like you said, he doesn't have a lot to recommend him. You know, back three, four years ago when he had really great control. Absolutely. Uh, it got totally a lot down. of ground balls. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. He, was, he was nice to have in a points league, but he, he's lost mm-hmm. that, uh, that kind of appeal. Let's take a quick look at the lineups mm-hmm. here. Of course, we've got a game ongoing. Got the Brewers and the Cubs. And that one is still two to nothing. Brewers, this is the Major League debut of Paulo Espino. Uh, and it's going really well for him so far. Two innings against the Cubs with two strikeouts. Uh, but there are several lineups in for some of the night games. The Phillies, the Pirates, the Rockies, the Reds, the Rays uh, lineup is in. Only thing I've seen that uh, was a little bit surprising to me is no Adam Frazier tonight for the Pirates. So you've got an outfield of Danny Ortiz, Andrew McCutcheon, and Jose Ozuna. Uh, mm. uh, so no Adam Frazier uh, there. And he's not very highly owned, but I like him a lot. So that, that was. Why do, well, why do you like Frazier so much? I'm just curious. I mean, I'm not saying that he's bad. I just, <laughs> when I look at it, like, no, no, not in a bad way. This is like an, an honest question. Like obviously yeah. he's not walking a lot. He's not getting on base a ton. His average is great, but I mean, it, so it's a mixture of things. Like why isn't he in this lineup and why is, what's the likeness of him? Yeah. Well, and I don't know why he's not in the lineup. I assume it's just giving him a day off. I haven't, you know, I I, uh, even checked during the break and didn't see any other news on him. No, I like about Frazier. And that was a a good quick summary. Yeah. Good batting average, but doesn't get on base a ton. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in in a standard format where you're more concerned about batting average, he's a line drive machine. So, uh, you know, he's somebody who for me, it would be an upset if he didn't hit 29300 or higher. And excuse me, and there is a little bit of stolen base potential there. He's gotten thrown out a lot, uh, particularly in the minor leagues, but he does run. So, yeah. you know, that's well, a it little. Looks like his, his, his plate discipline is actually really good, too. That's what it looks like. I'm just looking at that right now. So he's not okay. swinging erratically, which I, I always look at those younger guys and, and 
pay attention to that. You know, I'm used to Peter O'Brien's and those types of guys. It's literally, if it's in within a, if it's in a five foot range, they'll swing at the ball, that type of deal. But this, his scenario, he's, he's got a lot of plate discipline, which I always respect. Well, I haven't talked to you since Peter O'Brien landed in a, in a new spot. Uh, so yeah. Well, I mean, when he was, yeah. When, yeah, when he was DSA, I, I was, I was pretty emotional. Not only was he, he was, he was kicked off the team and then Mitch Hanniger wasn't playing. So I was like, why am I even watching baseball right now? What is the point of even living, you know? So, and then he gets picked up by the Reds and naturally people were asking me like the, the scenario with him and I'm actually covering the college world series. So I'll be in Omaha and it was just too much of a coincidence that he left Omaha to go somewhere else when I'm planning on visiting. It's fine, but it's just kind of one of those scenarios. So it was, it was good to like see him get picked up again. Like, there, he'll always find a spot. Um, but I think he's just like a triple A lifer and the power is there, but I mean, we'll see what happens. And especially with the Reds type of scenario, it's definitely an interesting scenario with what they're doing with their roster and, and how they're playing this season. So I don't know if he's going to see a lot of playing time at all. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, we've been through this now a few times with Peter O'Brien where it's, you know, well, if he can just crack the lineup, if he can crack it with the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. if he can just crack it with the Royals. And, and it even seems like there's been opportunities there and, he either doesn't genuinely get the opportunity or he does for a little while and doesn't really do anything with it. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it's a hard lot being a uh, Peter O'Brien fan. Right. Or, <laughs> Trust, me, assuming... I yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I know. So bad. You can't, you can't fall in love with like a baseball player, like, and not like in love, but I loved watching him play and, and just really pushing, pulling for him and just never letting it happen. You're like, it's okay. I'll spend $10 to come watch you play. That's okay. It's a lot cheaper to be a fan of you that way. So it's all good. You leave it, leave it to you just to you know, find the bright side. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, you don't have to work too hard to find the bright side for Jose Barrios man against the Rockies on Thursday, seven and two thirds scoreless innings, only two hits allowed, only one walk and 11 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So two great starts to begin his uh, year with the, uh, with the twins. Are you all in? I'm hesitant to say I'm all in because for me, all in means like you're Chris moneymaker at the last table, pushing all your chips. And I don't know if I could say that with, with him quite yet. Um, but you know, and he, he has enough innings, you know, underneath his belt where I'm, where I'm definitely intrigued by him. And obviously he's one of my favorite uh, prospects heading into the season. So I'm definitely intrigued by him. Um, his numbers are very solid. Um, I think he, he works on his base game a little bit more. He'll definitely provide more value to himself. Um, but so far I'm definitely intrigued by him more more positives than negatives when it comes to him so far yeah well i guess it's a little bit of confirmation bias so anyway we'll mm-hmm. be back with more great pitching performances so stick around welcome back everybody you are listening to fan rag fantasy baseball i'm your host al melchior and with me today our guest Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag Sports, and that got to say that that uh, lead-in music a little different than what I had on yesterday's show when uh, we had some some Enya and some you know kind of new agey kind of stuff. Oh, you had Enya without me? Did you have like Celtic Woman too? Uh, I, don't I like know. Enya, so well, we had lie. the Nando Defino on the show. I suspect he may have had a little something to do with the. Well, it's okay. Selection. I was on I was on a radio spot this week, and they played "It's Raining Men." So that was that was a different one. That was fun. <laughs> we'll yeah. see if we get that one here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if that was on purpose, Jess, but you just provide me with the perfect segue because we're going to talk about some weather 
And it's going to be raining something, I think, in Cincinnati. Uh, Rockies at the Reds, 56% chance of precipitation at game time and holding steady just around 50%. So that's one where uh, for your daily lineups, you want to make sure uh, if you want to use any Rockies or Reds that that game's going to get underway. And a few other games, mostly in the Midwest, where there are some uh, less, you know, less serious weather issues. Giants at Cardinals, small chance of precipitation. Uh, Tigers and Rangers at Comerica Park, same deal there. Um, and this game now with the Brewers and the Cubs, every beat writer that was there was talking about how cold it was. 37 mm. degree wind chill, I can tell you, because I read it about six different times on Twitter. <laughs> but, you know, if I were th- really cold. <laughs> if, yeah, if I were there, I'd, I'd be tweeting about it being cold, too. So, you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, all right, Jess. Well, um, actually, I'm sorry. We were gonna, I was going to get back to the pitchers. We talked about Jose Barrios, but uh, I also just want really quick. The Yankees lineup is out. No Chase Headley and no Aaron Hicks. Hmm. And I'm guessing okay. owners are probably a little more upset about one of those than the other, which was a mean thing to say. Mm-hmm. But not as mean as some of the stuff I've been reading on Twitter uh, about Chase Headley, unfortunately. So, yeah. So, well, let's let's uh, turn turn the mood around here. Let's talk about Danny Duffy because he had a nice start too. Mm-hmm. Seven yeah. scoreless innings uh, against the Yankees. I guess I'm still being kind of mean to the Yankees here, starting off with this. But uh, <laughs> I I've been a little worried about Duffy this year. Like I thought he, you know, okay, he's okay. <laughs> if I I don't have him. Because he was pricey, you know. After last season, you expect that he was pricey in in uh, those standard mix leagues. So I didn't get him. But if I had him, it's not like I would drop him. But the strikeouts and the the walk rates they, they just weren't what they were last year. But this was mm-hmm. more kind of twenty sixteen circa Danny Duffy. So you know, you you expect to see more of this version. Yeah, I actually do. And he's actually quite a, a favorite in the DFS community in regards to, to pitchers lately. Um, his name's been brought up way more than I was anticipating, obviously, this season, because last season wasn't really the Danny Duffy we were 100% used to. His, his, he was striking out a little bit more, but some of those other numbers were really bad. People were just bombing off of him. They were hitting so many home runs off him, and it was definitely kind of a scary number to look at if you look at that home run to fly ball rate. Um, but this time around, I mean, he's, he's very solid, and, you know, it, it's kind of upsetting because of the way that the Royals are kind of panning out uh, offensively, of course. Um, but he's he's very much been impressive, and he keeps um, adding value. I definitely know in the DFS world, I'm not really sure what the season-long perspective is on him, but I'm assuming it's not too much different. Yeah, well, you know, and you, you mentioned the home runs, and that was part of my concern, too, because he is one of the more extreme fly ball pitchers in the majors. And pitching at Kaufman, you know, that that's certainly going to help him. I think it did help him last year. But that's just kind of one more element that's, well, if he's not missing as many bats, maybe he's going to give up more home runs. But in this start, mm-hmm. he got 13 swings and misses just on the slider alone, which is crazy. It was a, uh, right. roughly a 30% rate on that. But the four-seamer been much more hittable this year but uh yeah i wouldn't especially with this start now seeing what's possible against one of the best offenses in the majors uh you know i i would definitely hang on to danny duffy uh mm-hmm. there were also some other performances well well actually i was gonna go to some of the more surprising ones but kind of lump those together let's talk just a little bit about marcus stroman because that's not such a surprising thing when he does well uh yeah. five and two-thirds scoreless seven hits just one walk six strikeouts at the Braves, and probably the most notable thing that Marcus Stroman did in this game was hit a home run. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while, you know, somebody will say, boy, I wish I was in a league that 
included pitcher hitting stats. So that yeah, then you would every, 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 everybody would grab Madbum and Clayton Kershaw and maybe Marcus Stroman from now on. You never really know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, was just, it was cool. Not only was it a bomb, but it was an opposite field bomb. And it was just like, it was just, there's always obviously the drama going on with the Braves and the Jays right now. So it was just like kind of a cool thing because I kind of equivalent that to like a fat guy touchdown during football season. Like you don't see it often, but when you do, it's like a unicorn type of scenario and you love it. So I love when pitchers rake. It makes me so happy. The geek in, in myself it comes out, so I think it's wonderful. That is such yeah. a, a tremendous analogy right there. I never yes. would yes. have thought of that on my own. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> brings back memories of the fridge. Anyhow, uh, but to take a look at the other side of that game, because Julio Tehran got uh, taken yard by Marcus Stroman, but just another really, really bad start for Julio Tehran at home. Uh, this one... Lasted just three innings, nine runs on eight hits and a walk with just two strikeouts. He now has a 10.50 home ERA. And a lot of people have definitely been taking note that SunTrust Park is pretty much playing like a hitter's park. And if you go and look at the numbers, it's really been pretty extreme for left-handed hitters. So mm-hmm. um, I you know, I dropped Tehran in a 12-team mixed league about a week ago because I started to see this pattern. I thought, I'm not... I, I, don't know when I'm going to be able to trust him in a home game again. And in that case, he's just sucking up a, a, a roster spot, you know, every, roughly every other week that I want to use on somebody else. So you think that was too extreme or do you think that there's really something to that park being not a good fit for Tehran? I mean, it's, I mean, heading into the season, um, you know, I wrote a, a chapter on ballpark factors and I would, you know, you can't really use any of the data because it was a brand new, new field. But I do know that with Freddie Freeman scenario, I, I figured lefties were going to just mash there because they actually invented the, the part down the right field side. They called it like Freeman's alley or Freeman's side or something like that. So he was, he was excited. He actually walked out there and said, this is going to be great. I'm going to mash here, everything like that. I, for some reason, didn't really think it would, you know, go across the scenario, but I know some of the reporters that were there just, they, they're now it's known as a hitter's park. So, and um, somebody just reached out to me the other day and asking about Julio, if they should, you know, have him on the road compared to at home type of deal. But in this, scenario like I don't I totally support you dropping him completely I mean he's not striking guys out you mentioned that that home ERA and if you can't if you're a a pitcher and you're struggling against your home field like something's wrong I get it it's a new field you have to adjust but that you know that's part of the game that's what you have to do so I completely have your back in that scenario well that's good because that's uh I don't know if I can undo that one (laughs) about a week ago I haven't gone back and checked to see if anybody picked them up I probably should do that uh, well, let's get back to some of the, the better performances then. Uh, Martin Perez, seven innings. That one really surprised me because even when Perez is good, you, you know, usually he's not that great in terms of control or efficiency. And, you know, a good start for him might be like a five, you know, five and two thirds inning kind of start. But against the Phillies, who have generally kind of mashed against lefties, he went seven innings, uh, two runs on five hits and no walks. So, you know, there's the connection. Good control in that, in that start. And eight strikeouts, which is also pretty unusual for Perez. So in May, he's had quality starts in all three of his outings, and he's only walked two batters this month in 19 to third innings. Mm. So that's, you know, that's a key thing for him. I don't know that he's ever going to be a strikeout pitcher, but that's, that's nice to see over three starts. Is that enough for you to have a little more interest in Perez, or is that still just kind of a drop in the bucket compared to the, the bigger uh, body of work? 
No, I'm certainly interested in him. And that has a lot to do with, you know, I always start with, with these types of pitchers. I, I definitely have the ballpark factor in the back of my mind because of him. But, you know, he's, you mentioned the strikeouts. He's not going to be, you know, striking out a lot of guys. But if you look at, like, the, the type of pitches that he is throwing, like, the ground ball numbers have actually dropped since last year. And that was something that I was quite intrigued by just because of the fact if you're playing a lot of your games at Global Life in Arlington where pitcher, where batters mash, like, that's always great, too. But his infield fly percentage has is almost doubled since last year. So, I mean, if hmm. the people are hitting off of him, they're not going to be really flying. They're not going to be flying the ball to, you know, the outfield as much. And if you can actually control control that at that field, I'm very much going to have a lot of support. So he's, I, I, I'm not, he's not like an, a go all in type of pitcher, but if you want somebody with that and they can't really show off their power against him at a field like that, or even on the road. Yeah. I'm very much intrigued with a guy like this. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and I said, I'm more accustomed to kind of the five to six inning start for Perez. Uh, Going to mm-hmm. toss out three pitchers who did go exactly five innings, uh, two good, one bad. Uh, and it's sort of flip-flop from what you might expect. Jared Cozart, five innings, uh, back up with the, the Padres and back in the uh, rotation uh, versus the Brewers. So tough matchup. Five innings, five hits, one run, one walk, and three strikeouts. You had the major league debut of Sam uh, Gaviglio. Five scoreless innings against the White Sox on three hits and a walk with two strikeouts. And then Tanner Roark, you know, who you figure of that group, should easily have the best start, and he had the Pirates, was really you know clobbered in, in a five-inning start. Seven runs, eight mm-hmm. hits, four walks, and three strikeouts. So do you mm-hmm. make anything of, you know, three surprising starts, you know, sort of all in, in different directions? I mean, when it, kind of, yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're looking at. But, yeah, I was right there with you with Roark. I was actually anticipating a lot more success out of him um, and – you know, he's not, he's not striking out a lot of guys, but he, and his walk rate is kind of, it's creeping up there. It's not quite a, a situation where I'm, I would have that, you know, red light going off uh, or red flag going off, if you will. Um, but, you know, people are scoring against him and it's definitely a lot more, you know, not really getting, giving into the hype. I was really expecting him to have way more success of the year. So that, that's what usually bothers me. And I, I'm a very anti-hype type of person, but this one really broke my heart. I really thought he was going to have more success. I did too. I, I hyped him big time this spring. So, well, we've got a lot of hitters to get to. And guess what, Jess? Eric Sogard getting on base yet again. So, uh, tough to keep yes. up with him. But we'll yes. talk about Sogard and some of the other standout hitters from yesterday and today, apparently. So, stay with us. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. My guest today, also from FanRag Sports, is Jessica Klein-Schmidt. And we got all kinds of stuff to get to, some uh, standout hitter performances. We got the Brewers and the Cubs going on right now. But before any of that, let me tell you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wire wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you'll get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. 
Enter the promo code free radio at the checkout for a special discount. Uh, well, Jess, uh, Brewers Cubs update. It is two to one now, Brewers. But Eddie Butler already out of the game after three innings. He walked five batters in three innings. Yikes. So I guess I've left, left you speechless with that. Um, yeah, I mean, a bumpy, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like the game barely started. He's already out. Like that's, I mean, it's too bad. What can you do? Yeah. Well, and the game's barely started and already Eric Sogard has been on base twice. So uh, he has walked twice. He has already scored a run. And what better way to uh, launch into some of the great performances from Thursday's game? Because Sogard, uh, this was against the Padres in that series finale, went four for four with a double and three RBIs. So uh, he is still, because he's just walked twice in this game, so he's still uh, 10 for 17 since he came up with the Brewers uh, with two Mm -hmm. home runs and three doubles. And this is just crazy. Uh, I know. (laughs) So what's going on at at DFS with Sogard? You know, people still aren't quite taking a liking to him. And I think that has a lot to do with like his reputation, not saying he ever had a bad one, but he wasn't the type of guy when you're thinking of an A's, you know, play a couple years back, are you really going to go straight burn Eric Sogard? More than likely not. The guy didn't, I mean, he's showing his power now, but he wasn't the guy that was going to be giving you a lot of power. He's more of a defensive guy for me. So fantasy wise, that really diminishes your value. Um, but I mean, the guy just has a great story. I mean, he was injured in the off season and he worked so hard. Um, I'm actually really good friends with his wife, Casey, and I just loved following their, their entire story. And he's just, they're just a great family. And the fact that he's having so much success right now is great. So I think if you're including him on that um, lineup and you're going to bring the more of the stack options into it, obviously there's already so much power on that team. They're going to have the same type of scenario and all of that. It's just the sky's the limit. And I mean, so far he's great. And, you know, we really got to jump on him before his, his productivity gets too high because obviously his monetary value will go up. But so far, like if, I mean, if I could really put it, there's definitely at least a little exposure that you could do with him because he's not quite expensive yet. Yeah. I really, I was, had been wondering about that because he's just, he's been so hot, but it's been, you know, such a relatively short period of time. So, uh, but again, you know, just continues to get on base and uh, you know, Adam Frazier, we talked about him earlier. So he, Pumped up that uh, batting average that we talked about before. It's now at 347 because he had a three-hit game against the uh, Nationals, uh, also with a double in that game. But, you know, we, we talked about him earlier, so I think kind of covered him there uh, just in terms of the you know, extreme line drive approach that I think is going to generate a legitimately high batting average. Um, mm-hmm. But probably more surprising in terms of a high batting average, Chris Davis with a C. We're actually going to talk about both of them. Both Chris Davis's, mm-hmm. but we'll start with Chris Davis and the C go alphabetically here. And I've, I don't know about you, Jess. I've heard very little about Chris Davis. And I don't know if it's just because there have been so many other first basemen, whether it's Yonder Alonso or Cody Bellinger, uh, Logan Morrison, Justin Smoke is kind of the latest uh, hot pickup at that position. Uh, so Chris mm-hmm. Davis, I feel like, is kind of getting ignored. But in May, he is red hot. He's hitting 313. He's got five home runs already this month. Nine on the season. He hit that ninth home run on Thursday at the Tigers. Is there any value you think to be had there? Is he falling under under the radar? 
I think he is under the radar at the moment. And like you mentioned, like the first baseman competition has been through the roof. And we saw that during the off season. You know, we weren't sure where anybody was going to go. It was a DH or a first baseman situation. That free agent pool was filled to the brim with talent. And we didn't even know if he was going to stay with the Orioles at one point, you know. So it was definitely an interesting scenario. And for me, when you're playing against the Tigers, in Detroit and you're a lefty, I'm automatically going to think you're not going to do well just because I know how that ballpark factor works. It's very below average when it comes to lefties until Chris Davis steps up to the plate and hitting bombs left and right. So he's under the radar at the moment, but that has a lot to do with all the competition, which is a great thing. If you have any tour, any sort of league, you're going to want those guys who are going to provide you power. And it's weird to talk about Chris Davis being in kind of a stealthy kind of player, but that also shows how much fabulous talent this organization has at the moment. So it's great. I'm definitely all in on him because of the fact that you have all these other guys you can choose from, and he's still one of the lower, lowerly owned guys with all that power. It's a great scenario for him to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's, a, probably a good window to you know see if you can get him if you don't own him you know in a, in a seasonal league and I would say the same thing about the other Chris Davis Chris the K mm-hmm. and he had a nice game uh, against the Red Sox on Thursday two for three with his 12th home run of the year and again I think that's a bit of kind of a quiet 12 home runs for that Chris Davis because he's hitting only 217 and he's only got mm-hmm. and I say only he's got 22 RBIs which is you know it's nice but for somebody with that kind of power production, um, it's a little behind the pace that you might expect. Right. Here's a couple of numbers to put put the batting average and the RBIs into perspective. He's hitting 226 on balls in play, and I mean, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. shocked with with Davis hitting you know 270, 280, being a little below average, but that's way below average. And then right. uh, with runners in scoring position, he's hitting an even 100. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, so he's missed out on some opportunities to drive in runs. And, you know, some players are not good or, or better than average, you know, over the course of a career in that regard. But, you know, Davis is I wouldn't put him in either of those categories. So I, I think that I think that's going to rise, too. Yeah, and I mean, well, he's also walking a lot more. So I don't know if pitchers aren't necessarily pitching to him or what the scenario is or if he's just been more patient at the plate. But, his, I mean, his, he's walking a ton more. So he's getting on base a little bit um, more than he was last year, not not quite. So he's obviously seeing, seeing a lot. But, you know, his power isn't quite what we're used to. But those home runs are still there. And he's on pace to have another successful season um, in regards to that category. And, you know, but he's also striking out a little bit more, too. So it's definitely – an interesting dynamic and I don't really know what his mentality is at the moment, but I know his off season, he was trying to work on being a little bit more patient and that's somewhat showing, but I mean, his average just isn't showing it. And it's just kind of a, a weird thing, but I mean, last year he was at what hitting 247. If you want to say that that's pretty high for hitting 42 bombs, that's fine. But that's definitely kind of a, it's a, it's a weird to kind of compare those two together in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and again, you can't get too excited about a 240 average unless it's, you know, what you can look forward to from somebody who's hitting 217. So mm-hmm. I, I think with both Chris Davises, there's an opportunity to buy a little bit at a discount. Um, and we talked about with, you know, the first Chris Davis, the surprising glut of pro- uh, productive first baseman. Justin Bohr continues to produce. He hit his ninth home run at the, yep, at the Dodgers. Uh, so you, you love, so what, what is it that you love about, uh, Justin Bohr? Well, heading into the season, uh, he really struggled against lefties and, um, and that was last season and 
And that's what his big worry was, you know, um, but the Mariners believed in him enough, or sorry, the Marlins believed in him enough where they were like, well, you know what, we're going to expose you a little bit more to lefties. So it's kind of interesting to see what they're doing. They'll sit him sometimes against a lefty pitcher and then sometimes we'll give him a chance. But, you know, just recently he had a bomb off a lefty. So he's obviously showing production there and that he's been patient. And so I definitely like him from a power perspective and heading into the season DFS wise, it was, it was like they couldn't pick up on the fact that he was doing well and he kept <laughs> continuing to be cheap. I didn't know how much his ownership percentage was every single day, but he was such a cheap first baseman with all that power. It was just great to watch. And then you have, you can always have a stack option with, you know, Yelich and of course um, Stanton, depending on um, the, the scenario there, but that power is there. And he's, you know, obviously his productivity is there. So he was one of my kind of somewhat low key, um, I guess, underrated players heading into the season. I've all, I've, he's got so much. Uh, and then from the season, season long perspective, it's no different. So I just like him all around. Yeah, he had a little bit of sort of minor uh, breakout buzz in the, mm-hmm. in the during drafts, but yeah, I think he's far exceeded even you know what the people who who liked him a little bit more exceeded what what even their expectations were. Um, Kendris Morales, I think you gotta mention he had a four hit game, but he's still hitting just two fifty five, seven home runs. That's a decent uh, home run pace for Morales, but I think he's mm-hmm. uh, got some better things to come. Gerard Dyson with a big game. Uh, versus the White Sox, two for four with a home run, which you certainly don't count on with uh, Dyson, uh, but two steals, and he's now up to 12 steals on the season. And, you know, with Dyson, it's always a question of, you know, because he doesn't bring a whole lot else to the table, uh, but he has scored 24 runs, uh, and that that plus the steals, th- that's good enough for him to be 27th among outfielders in terms of roto value. So... Uh, I mean, do you think he can maintain that given that he's playing on a more regular basis than he ever has in his career? Yeah, I definitely do. And and I kind of like those guys that bring a certain, you know, different type of value. You know, most of the time when you're heading into a league, you're going to be looking at the power and the fact that, you know, is he going to be giving me, you know, a lot of home runs or whatever. But I love guys like this. Like he's stealing bags. He's not going to be striking out a lot, which is wonderful. And and he's getting on base a little bit. And I love that type of value in a guy. So absolutely. If he he definitely is is raising his value um, specifically, especially for a guy where you're not expecting much, you know, out of the, um, in the batter's box out of the batter's box you are so i love that because you can stash him in, in any sort of dfs type of lineup without spending uh, a lot of money yeah no I, I agree i think he's you know also undervalued now know how long it's going to stay that way uh for dyson but uh but uh well anyhow we uh we got to get to break and we will take a look to tonight jess some of the i think there's some interesting pitching matchups that i think they'll be tough to choose between so uh, from a DFS perspective, we'll take a look at a few of those. So uh, when you come back, we'll talk about tonight's pitchers. So stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and my guest today from FanRag Sports is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And I'm glad to have Jess on, as I always am, but I'm especially glad to have Jess on this segment because uh, I always like to get her insight into DFS. And Jess, tonight, it would seem to me that the clear choice if you want to be safe with starting pitcher is Chris Sale, but... Mm -hmm. 
if you don't want to you know spend the bucks for him it seems like there's there's a lot of really good options i'm not sure how you sort through them all so i'm going to toss five of them out there and just get your you know your impressions or your uh, you know advice regarding them uh, you got Luis Severino mm-hmm. at the Rays. That's always a nice, you know, strikeout matchup. You got Daniel Norris uh, versus the Rangers. Charlie Morton versus the Indians. Taiwan Walker. He's got that coveted Padres matchup. <laughs> and then you got Alex Wood, of course, who's just you know Mister, you know, five six inning shutout, uh, going to get some Marlins tonight. So does anybody in that group stand out, either good or bad? Um, yeah, so I obviously always, I mean, I always like Taiwan Walker. And by always, I mean maybe one out of every two matchups that he has. And um, in this particular one, I mean, obviously, I really like him against um, the Padres um, just because of the fact that it is at Petco. And, and Taiwan's, you know, he's, he's, he did some adjustments in the offseason. And he's at that weird, awkward price range. And I'm glad you brought him up because when the pitchers in the DFS slates, when they're not super expensive and they're not super cheap, you really do have to make a decision. And, that, and sometimes it's more difficult because everybody's going to be highly owned when it comes to Chris Sale against the A's. It's a pretty simple thing that people are going to be doing. Um, so I definitely like Taiwan Walker in this matchup, um, you know, going up against uh, the, the Padres. And it's not a super, you know, heavy opposite lineup, which I definitely like because you can definitely take advantage of that. Um, so I really like him for from that perspective. Um, I definitely like uh, Luis Severino as well because um, Luis Severino is going to be a little bit more expensive across this, the industry because of this matchup and his his name. It's Luis Severino going up against the Rays. It's going to be in Tampa. And the thing that I like about when um, strong pitchers pitch in Tampa, I, I feel even though you know it's obviously probably going to have a, a closed roof, they still have a little bit of that humidity factor. And I think lately that's been affecting pitchers more, impacting pitchers more in a positive way. Uh, pitchers have told me constantly pitching in a, a type of humidity atmosphere has actually really benefited them from that gripping. And Luis Severino going up against a lot of those lefties in that lineup could be very successful. He's going to be a little bit more expensive, so definitely watch out for his ownership because of the fact he's like the top they're the lower tier right below um, sale. So it's definitely um, somebody that I, I like as well. So those are probably my two main pitchers out of the guys that you did um, mention. Norris isn't a bad um, option either. And um, he's going to be super, super cheap um, in, in his matchup. And that's, you know, at Detroit as well. Um, and he, so he's probably one of my favorites um, with the rather uh, cheap pitchers going up against uh, those Rangers. That's a uh, little bit of precip- precipitation there in that matchup. But I definitely like Norris from one of the cheaper um, options for sure tonight. Well, that's a that's an awesome summary, and uh, I'm sure Charlie Morton and Alex Wood will not, you know, their feelings won't be hurt being left out because somebody's got to be left out. You can't can't start everybody exactly. I guess, unless you're playing a zillion lineups. Which, right. uh, yeah, I don't know. That just never works for me. People do. People do. <laughs> that's true. People really do. They really do. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're just about out of time, Jess. But let me just throw you one more. Just looking ahead to week eight, because we talked about Julio Tehran earlier in the show and his home uh, home away split, and he's got a split two start week coming up. Pirates at home, Giants on the road. Uh, is, 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 do you take a chance with Tehran? Ah, uh, this week probably not. I don't think I'm ready for him to come back after that really bad outing. All right. Well, we'll. We'll wind up on that bummer note. Uh, Jess, thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Glad to have you on, as always. Uh, We will be back on Sunday, folks, noon Eastern, so please do join us then. Stay tuned for more great programs here on Fantasy Sports Radio. Have a great weekend.